looking at three old guys with floating fingers. You are listening to CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. Stay tuned now for the jazz show coming right up with Gavin Walker, the Merry Month of May edition. Thank you. 
We'd, of course, like to welcome you to the merry month of May. Yeah, May 1st, May Day. Yeah, I was down on Commercial Drive today and got, got in the middle of a May Day parade. Yeah, it was fun, with a band and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, um, that's uh, yeah, Commercial Drive, you know, a unique part of the city. And uh, it was kind of fun uh, for a moment to be sort of uh, just strolling down the avenue. And uh, then all of a sudden, here's this parade coming out from out of nowhere with all the cops and <laughs> and, and of course, the, the music, the bands, and the signs, and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, fun day. All right, this is The Jazz Show. My name's Gavin Walker. I'm very happy to be here this evening on uh, behalf of uh, radio station CITR 101.9 on your FM dial. If you don't know that already, or if you listen on your computer, it's www.citr.ca for live streaming. And we have, uh, of course, a very fine show uh, lined up this evening, all kinds of stuff for, to hear and play and explore and uh, that kind of thing. Our jazz feature, of course, kicks off the show, as uh, it does every Monday. And this evening, we're celebrating the incredible alto saxophone stylings of the one and only Philip Wells Woods. Phil Woods was born in Springfield, Massachusetts, November 2nd, 1931, and passed away. He was 83 uh, in his, at his home in uh, East Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania. He passed away September 29th, 19, or 2015, and was playing basically right up to the end of his life, too. Um, amazing longevity, uh, amazing energy, and um, a wonderful person. I, I interviewed Phil a couple of times and um, was considered um, Phil a, a good friend, um, we didn't talk too much in his final years, but uh, we did communicate quite a bit over the years. And um, Phil gave me lots of advice on uh, playing the alto saxophone and um, other things. And what I liked about Phil was his total frankness. Uh, he didn't mince words uh, ever, and uh, he laid it on the line. Phil, of course, had, uh, in his young days, uh, music was a big part of his family, and, and uh, eventually be, he became quite uh, proficient on the uh, saxophone, and he made it to New York City as a young man and enrolled in, at the Manhattan School of Music and also at Juilliard and, of course, started playing every conceivable gig in those days in the early 50s. Uh, Phil was doing, uh, you name it, bar mitzvahs, weddings, parades, um, all kinds of stuff. And But his focus was on playing jazz. And, of course, he was there at every open jam session, uh, sitting in with musicians, getting to know um, players, getting to hear and hang out with Charlie Parker, who was his absolute idol. And uh, his main influence was Charlie Parker. And uh, Phil, through all this experience, began recording under his own name in 1954 for Prestige New Jazz Records. 
And uh, those records stand up over the test of time. Phil, of course, uh, was all over um, jazz in the 1950s. Uh, he was playing with Dizzy Gillespie's orchestra. They went on the State Department tour. Um, Dizzy toured with the All-Stars of Birdland with Connie Condoli, Kenny Dorham, Al Cohn, all sorts of people. Uh, he was recording under his own name. Um, he worked out with Thelonious Monk and uh, became one of Monk's favorite players, actually, and was on a very famous uh, Monk recording, uh, the big band recording that they did at the tail end of the 50s at Town Hall, which became a very famous Monk recording, and especially Phil Wood's solos on there. He is just burning. And, of course, uh, he became really, um, along with... There were three alto saxophonists that really emerged in the 50s, post-Charlie Parker. And I exclude Sonny Stitt from here because Sonny was always there. But Phil Woods, Jackie McLean, and Cannonball Adderley. Those three were the new voices of the alto saxophone in, in the 1950s, and they all had their own individual uh, sounds and, and voices. The tail end of the 1950s, Phil Woods went to uh, Europe with Quincy Jones, the, it was kind of an ill-fated trip because uh, the money ran out and, and things didn't work out the way they were supposed to. But Phil got his first taste of, um, of Europe, um, the culture over there, and um, the love of jazz music, of course, outside of America. And uh, during the 60s, Phil was everywhere. Um, he recording under his own name. Uh, once again, made a very famous recording with Thelonious Monk, um, another one of Monk's great records with a big band. Uh, Phil, of course, did all kinds of studio work in New York. He, um, he was doing uh, TV shows, um, you name it, uh, Broadway shows, all kinds of stuff, and playing uh, uh, jazz as much and... Uh, as he as he could, and he got married in the to Charlie Parker's widow, and he adopted her two children. Um, at the tail end of the sixties, Phil became very discouraged with living in the states. He was most successful, incredibly successful. He had a fair amount of money, uh, status. Uh, employment, but the atmosphere in the United States upset him greatly. The political turmoil, the assassinations, Martin Luther King, Bobby Kennedy, JFK, the Vietnam War, it, America was, in Phil Wood's eyes, falling apart. He took his family, bag and baggage, and departed for Europe. And he had almost five successful years uh, over in Europe. He formed a band called uh, the European Rhythm Machine with some of the greatest uh, uh, European musicians. It was, was a tremendous band, and they made many, many recordings. And uh, unfortunately, during that time, um, Phil's marriage broke up. Um, he longed, actually, despite all the stuff 
happening in in the United States. He kind of, you know, you miss home. And he decided to uh, pack it up and come back. But he didn't come back to New York. He went out to Los Angeles. And he hated it. Sure, he got uh, TV work, studio work, and he got um, he formed um, a band that uh, was a little more electronic than what he'd been normally playing with, with a very, very talented pianist named Pete Robinson and some other people. But it didn't really get anywhere, and Phil hated Los Angeles with a passion, even though he was gainfully employed and, and so on and so forth. He just didn't like the atmosphere. He, he longed for the East, and he headed back for New York City. Temporarily living in New York, and he eventually bought a place in Delaware Gap, Pennsylvania. And um, there he resided until um, his, his death at, uh, at 83. So we pick up Phil Woods' life. He had left Los Angeles happily and was freelancing in New York. And we get to our jazz feature. He had played uh, with a pickup rhythm section at the half note, and uh, he was heard by a wonderful record producer, a very credible guy named Don Schlitten, and he was amazed at the energy and the passion the way Phil Woods played. And he thought, you know, I'm going to see if I can um, sign him to a contract and make a recording for the label that I work for. And I would like to put them together with one of the most amazing rhythm sections in the world. And that rhythm section was Jackie Byard on piano, Richard Davis on bass, and the great Boston drummer Alan Dawson. That rhythm section had made some classic recordings with Booker Irvin and recorded with other people. They were an amazing rhythm section, and if you worked with them, you really had to stretch out. You, really, you couldn't really get into your own kind of uh, habit-forming playing. You, you had to go somewhere else uh, because they would challenge you uh, at every count. And um, so the recording was set up. Phil Woods, um, I think he, he knew Richard Davis, but he didn't know anyone else, and he had never played with any of these guys before. So it was very interesting. He showed up at the studio with a couple of new pieces that he had written and, of course, uh, acquainted himself with all these gentlemen. And all this happened in a very, very cold day in January in 1974, January 14th, 1974. And... Um, they warmed up in the studio, and then Phil took out from his saxophone case uh, some sheet music. And, of course, they took one look at the sheet music and realized that Phil's tunes were going to be really hard. <laughs> and uh, according to what I know, Phil Woods uh, said, yeah, you thought this was going to be fun, eh, guys? <laughs> anyway, they sat down to work, and um, uh, they were challenged by, by Phil's tunes, and some of the other selections that, uh, that he played. But in the end, they made this great album. And I consider it one of Phil's finest albums. The album came out as Musique du Bois. And it, um, to me, it's one of his classics. Now, 
I remember interviewing Phil Woods a, few, uh, a number of years ago, and uh, I, I mentioned to him, uh, hoping to get some conversation going, I said, you know, your album, Musique du Bois, is one of my absolute favorites. And Phil looked at me, he says, it's one of your favorites? Sure isn't mine. I don't like the album. And I said, you're kidding. I said, it's an amazing album. I said, I've listened to this, so on and so forth. And, and Phil said, well, I don't know. He said, maybe I'll have to go. He said, if you liked it, he said, maybe I'll have to go back and listen to it again. Because I was kind of uncomfortable during that date. And every time I think about that particular recording, which I have not listened to, he said, I hate listening to myself on recordings. I have not listened to it. Um, he said, I just remember how I felt. And um, I said, well, maybe you were uncomfortable, man, but the rhythm section, I said, those guys made you play um, differently than you usually do. You, you're still Phil Woods, but you, you did some new things on that album, and I think what happened there was that they stimulated you somehow. And... Uh, uh, you know, your playing has always exuded confidence, um, but you you did some different things on that album. So anyway, he said that he, after the, the interview, he says, you know, I'm going to pull out one out of my library at home, and he said, I'm going to give it a damn good listen. And uh, he said, because uh, you could be right. <laughs> so years later, he told me the, that he actually came around, and he said, I, he said, I still remember the, how I felt, uh, but he said, um, uh, I, he said, there's some great moments on the album. So he gave me that concession a few years later. Anyway, this album was done in 1974, and it was his first recording, first official recording back from Europe, and it was issued on Muse Records, Musique du Bois. We're going to hear it tonight. This is the jazz feature. So I thought I'd uh, kind of uh, put you on track. And um, Phil Woods has made so many recordings, but uh, give you a little perspective on this one. We begin with the first challenging tune uh, written by Phil Woods. It's called Samba du Bois. That opens the set in fine fashion. Then we go to Phil's arrangement of Willow Weep for Me. And that's a standard that's been played by everybody and his dog. But uh, they do it a little differently, and it really, really works. It's a great interpretation of the tune. Tune number two. Tune number three is Wayne Shorter's classic that Miles Davis recorded. And this is version is every bit as good as Miles Davis's version, in my estimation. It's Wayne Shorter's famous tune, Nefertiti. Tune number four is the second very challenging Woods composition that took uh, 11 or 12 takes to get down, but they did it, and it's called The Last Page. That's tune number four. Tune number five was done in one take, and it's the gorgeous Michel Legrand ballad, The Summer Knows, and only Phil Woods could do this uh, beautiful melody so much justice. And the album ends with the Sonny Rollins classic. They did this in uh, one take as well, Erigen. And uh, a fine way to end an amazing album. So here then, Phil Woods on alto saxophone, 
Jackie Byard on piano, Richard Davis on bass, and Alan Dawson on drums. And we begin with Samba Dubois, beginning our jazz feature this evening. Thank you. 
Thank you.
And that's it, our jazz feature this evening. An amazing album by one of the great voices of the alto saxophone, the one and only Philip Wells Woods. Phil Woods. And the album uh, was issued on Muse Records. It was recorded in early January in 1974 in New York City. Uh, Phil had just come back from... uh, um, Actually, he was happy to leave. He he had uh, moved from Europe to Los Angeles, hated Los Angeles, and was very happy to be back in New York City uh, in his own familiar environment, despite the weather. (laughs) And uh, he was asked to do this album, and the rhythm section was... um, He he was told that the rhythm section would be Jackie Byard, Richard Davis and Alan Dawson on piano, bass, and drums, respectively. And Woods had never recorded with these gentlemen before. And um, it was just one of those... uh, I guess it wasn't long after that Phil formed his regular quartet, and, of course, those guys stayed together for years and years and years and years. This was Phil in a little bit of unfamiliar setting because he hadn't played with any of these guys before. And uh, he hardly knew them, as a matter of fact. The only one he knew uh, previously was Richard Davis, the, the bass player. And um, he didn't really know Jackie Byard, and he didn't know Alan Dawson. And uh, he was soon to get to know them <laughs> on this recording session. But um, I still think that this is one of Phil Wood's standout albums and a true classic. Even though he had some reluctant feelings about it, he, he kind of came around and said that he kind of liked parts of it, too. And Phil wasn't exactly uh, um, a modest person because he was confident of his own abilities, of course, and uh, he wasn't one of the greatest voices of the alto saxophone for nothing. So here was Phil Woods in great form, with uh, these gentlemen, Jackie Byard on piano, Richard Davis on bass, Alan Dawson on drums, a classic rhythm section. Uh, the compositions we heard, we opened with the challenging Samba du Bois, written by Phil Woods, then this uh, wonderful rendition of Willow Weep for Me, kind of um, took the vamp from uh, Miles Davis's famous composition, All Blues, and made it a, a, a part of this uh, uh, great standard tune, which has been overplayed for years, but uh, Phil really was able to deliver a very fresh version of Willow Week for me. Then we move to um, a wonderful version of Wayne Shorter's composition, Nefertiti, that he, of course, recorded with uh, Miles Davis, and Phil Woods delivered his own unique interpretation of that tune. The next tune was probably the biggest challenge of the whole date, and it took them a long time to get this one uh, together because of the changes in tempo and um, bar lines and all kinds of complications in the tune. But uh, they made it, and uh, tune number four was entitled The Last Page, Phil Wood's composition. The Gorgeous Ballad by Michel Legrand followed, and of course Phil Woods delivered on The Summer Nose. What a gorgeous piece of music. And the final tune was Sonny Rollins' classic, Erigen. And, of course, again, Mr. Woods delivered the goods. Woods delivered the goods. That kind of rhymes, right? 
Anyway, this uh, classic album was known as Musique de Bois. Phil Woods, alto saxophone, Jackie Byard, piano, Richard Davis on bass, Alan Dawson on drums. And, of course, Richard Davis is the only living member of this uh, stellar quartet. One of the greatest of all bass players. That was our jazz feature this evening. I certainly hope you enjoyed it. And uh, we're going to come back with uh, some classic Ella Fitzgerald in a very few moments. Just like to let you know that uh, you are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR-FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker, and after these salient messages, we'll be right back. May 6th, you are invited to the Vancouver Ikebana Spring Show from 11.30am to 5.30pm. Come experience an afternoon filled with the beauty and artistry of Ikebana, the Japanese art of flower arranging. This show will feature displays from four Ikebana schools and live demonstrations at 1.30pm and 3.30pm at the Allen Emmott Centre, 6650 South Oaks Crescent, Burnaby. For more information, email kuniy at telus.net. Vancouver's cultural landscape is changing. On May 21st, join the Chinese-Canadian Historical Society of British Columbia on a free walking tour and explore Vancouver's cultural landscape in relation to the past, present, and future. The tour will meet at 11 a.m. at the Chinese Cultural Centre on 50 East Pender Street. Presented by the Chinese-Canadian Historical Society of BC in celebration of Asian Heritage Month. You're listening to CITR 101.9, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the traditional, unceded, Coast Salish territory of the Hunkamenim-speaking Musqueam people. Ella Fitzgerald celebrated her centennial, her 100th birthday, uh, just a short time ago. And, of course, uh, there were so many tributes to uh, Ella. There was even a, a wonderful article on her in the, uh, in the province newspaper of all places. And um, it was actually quite a respectful article about her um, historical musical significance and uh, uh, covered uh, quite a bit of uh, territory. We're going to listen to some Ella Fitzgerald. This is one of her finest albums. Um, she made many, many albums, but uh, this particular one won a Grammy Award um, back then. It was recorded in February of 1960 at uh, the Deutschland Hall in Berlin, and it featured Ella with her working quartet. And, of course, uh, Miss Fitzgerald um, vocalizing along with Paul Smith on piano, Jim Hall on guitar, Wilfred Middlebrooks on bass, and the wonderful Gus Johnson on drums. We're going to hear a bunch of tunes uh, from this concert. And we begin with, uh, well, I think we could use a little bit of this. Uh, the first tune is by Cole Porter, and it's a tune called Too Darn Hot. And uh, then we're going to follow that by a Gershwin tune called Lorelei. Then we're going to hear Ella's version 
of Mac the Knife. And this is interesting. Kurt Weil and Bertolt Brecht wrote Mac the Knife. It was from the, originally from the Three Penny Opera, and the original title was Moritat, but then words were added, um, and it became Mac the Knife. Ella didn't really know the tune very well. Um, she hadn't uh, 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 internalized the lyrics of the tune. Uh, it was uh, fairly new to her. And um, she substituted immediately. She she could do stuff like this, her own lyrics. And uh, <laughs> I think they're more effective than the original lyrics. Anyway, you'll hear that. And we're going to end the set with uh, one of her anthems. And, of course, uh, she's going to do some scat singing on the great uh, modern jazz anthem. It was a standard tune which uh, was adopted by all great modern jazz musicians, Charlie Parker and Dizzy Gillespie and all everybody. The tune is How High the Moon, and Ella delivers on this. So in celebration of Ella's 100th birthday and her incredible artistry, here's the first lady of song, Ella Fitzgerald. Pants for romance is not Cause it's too, too, too 
Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. We'd like to do something for you now. We haven't heard a girl sing it. And it's, since it's so popular, we'd like to try and do it for you. We hope we remember all the words.
recorded in Berlin in February 13th, 1960. Ella Fitzgerald at her best, recorded at the uh, Deutschland Hall in big auditorium in, uh, in Berlin. Ella with Paul Smith on piano, her musical director, Jim Hall on guitar, Wilfred Middlebrooks on bass, and Gus Johnson on drums. And we heard a group of tunes from this uh, set, and we began with Cole Porter's Too Darn Hot, and we moved to uh, George and Ira Gershwin's Lorelei, and then Ella um, debuting a tune that she had just uh, learned and actually forgot the lyrics on that. She just made up her own. <laughs> the tune was Mac the Knife. And she ended, of course, with uh, one of her great staples and uh, an incredible exhibition of her scat singing abilities. She sounds just like a, a saxophone and uh, just an amazing, uh, amazing performer. Ella would have been 100 years old just a few days ago. She uh, celebrated her centenary. And uh, we're paying tribute to her with this um, excerpt from this famous concert and this recording, which actually won a Grammy Award. And uh, the album was called Ella in Berlin, and it came out on Verve Records, produced by, of course, a gentleman who was a big part of her life, producer and impresario Norman Grants. Ella Fitzgerald. All right. We're going to uh, continue with some music by Gil Evans in uh, a very few moments with uh, some incredible saxophone work by a gentleman that you are probably quite familiar with. His name is Wayne Shorter, and uh, we're going to do that in a very few moments. We have some messages for you and a little bit of information. just like to remind you that you are listening to CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer as many of you listen on the computer now, CITR.ca for live streaming. And uh, we'll be right back. Hey, it's Cynthia from The Bike Kitchen. We moved, but we are still nearby. The Bike Kitchen is now located on East Mall in the trailer between Irving K. Barber and Brock Hall. Come down and check out our selection of used bikes, work on your bike with our tools, or get a tune-up by one of our pro mechanics. We have a one- or two-day turnaround on all tune-ups. Check out our website, thebikekitchen.com, for more information about our services and prices. UBC's Museum of Anthropology displays long-term and visiting exhibits of indigenous art from around the world, and guided tours are free. Our permanent collection features one of the world's finest exhibits of Northwest Coast First Nations art. Our collection includes 36,000 ethnographic pieces, 535,000 archaeological pieces, and over 600 pieces in the Kroner Ceramics Gallery. There's a lot to take in. Luckily at the Museum of Anthropology, final exams are always take-home. If you've never checked out this world-class facility, now's your chance. The Museum of Anthropology is located right on campus and free for all UBC students and faculty. Come enjoy our collection and resources.
obviously a controversial subject is uh, the weather, <laughs> always. And uh, today being May the 1st, the weather is still kind of, uh, well, off and on. Not bad, but not great either. We're still waiting for that warmth to happen and all that sort of stuff. It's just around the corner, but uh, again, we have to exercise some uh, some patience. However, tonight is partly cloudy with a 30% chance of a shower this evening and a low of 5. So it's still getting quite cool in the evenings. And then tomorrow is a mix of sun and cloud with uh, lows down to 5 and highs up to 15. Wednesday, well, periods of rain for the midweek with a low of 10 and a high of 16. Then Thursday is a mix of sun and cloud, no precipitation, with uh, a low of 11 and a high of 16. Thursday or Friday is cloudy with a 40% chance of a shower, low of 9, high of 15. Sunday is a mix of sun and cloud, getting better. Or Saturday is a mix of sun and cloud, sorry. And uh, low of 7, high of 16. And Sunday, sunny. Would you believe it? With a low of 6 and a high of 17. Maybe that's going to be the turnaround day. Saturday and Sunday. Hmm. We can only hope and uh, just see what how it all unfolds. A couple of websites to, to excuse me to get onto is uh, one of them. Of course, is a very important website, and that's the website of the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society. They bring you the big jazz festival every year, and of course, everything is up on that website. And you can check it out, you can peruse it, you can buy tickets, make reservations, do all that kind of stuff for the up-and-coming jazz festival. It's not very far away, and uh, it's always good to uh, uh, make reservations and buy tickets and get all of that kind of stuff out of the way. And then once you've done that, you can just relax, and when the concert dates come up, you're there. And uh, that's the way to do it. And, of course, uh, the important thing is to know the website. That's coastaljazz.ca. They also have a schedule for their sponsored jazz club, which is Frankie's, which is located on Beattie Street, right opposite BC Place. And it's it's become um, one of the very important jazz venues in Vancouver. It's uh, choreographed musically by Corey Weeds. And, of course, all kinds of fine music there, including free happy hours as well. And uh, that's always nice. And then, of course, uh, ticketed uh, evening shows. But you can make reservations down there. You can check out uh, lots of uh, wonderful talent during the happy hours and um, get a feel for Frankie's if you've never been there before and uh, peruse the menu and uh, their incredible selection of, uh, of beverages as well. Very fine, very classy jazz club, Frankie's. Frankie's Jazz Club on Beattie Street, right opposite BC Place. So those two venues, um, well, the concerts, of course, and uh, uh, Frankie's are all on the Coastal Jazz website, coastaljazz.ca. Another fine website to get onto is vancouverjazz.com. There's all kinds of links on that website as well. 
and you can uh, spend a lot of time on there. Get off Facebook and get onto those those websites. They're very interesting. And then you can go back on Facebook again. We all we all do that. Uh, browse around. The other website is VancouverJazz.com. So don't forget CoastalJazz.ca, VancouverJazz.com. And of course, I always like to mention Pat's Pub. Uh, they do a yeoman's job down at uh, uh, the downtown east side at the old Patricia Hotel, a very historic hotel, and um, also a wonderful uh, uh, pub and bar and musical venue. And they have jazz there every Saturday afternoon from 3 to 7, and, and many of our finest musicians perform there. It's free. There's no cover charge. Um, you can just enjoy yourself, uh, enjoy a hamburger, beer, whatever, and uh, sit back and enjoy the music. It's always packed down there, so it, it's advisable to get there early. Even on a sunny day, and we haven't had that many sunny days, but, uh, you know, sometimes in Vancouver, if it's a sunny day, <laughs> then uh, nobody goes out to these venues and, until uh, later, but... Uh, uh, Pat's Pub is always packed, and uh, it's a great place to uh, visit and check out some of our very finest musicians. One more uh, brief mention. I always uh, talk about my good friend Ken Speller, who is a music teacher. He has a business called Music at Home, and uh, he teaches how he te- uh, teaches you how to play the saxophone, the flute, or the clarinet. Uh, He will give you advice on how to rent an instrument, uh, lease an instrument, or buy a musical instrument. And um, he's also an incredible repairman. He does his own, uh, he does his repairs in his own workshop. So he doesn't have a store overhead to finance. So he keeps his prices down to a bare minimum. And he repairs all those instruments, saxophones, flutes, and clarinets, because they need tweaking sometimes. They need an overhaul at other times. You know, all that kind of stuff. And if your instrument is in good shape, you're going to sound as good as you possibly can, whether you're a professional, uh, an amateur, or a student. So check out Ken Speller. He's a, a great guy. And uh, he his phone number is 778-800-1933. 778-800-1933, or you can check them out uh, via email, kspeller, K-S-P-E-L-L-E-R, underscore 14 at yahoo.ca. kspeller, underscore 14 at yahoo.ca. You're listening to The Jazz Show. My name's Gavin Walker, and we're going to present the music of the one and only Gil Evans. No one writes and orchestrates like Gil Evans. Of course, he made his name uh, with these historic recordings that he did for Miles Davis, but he also uh, led his own bands and his own recordings. Of course, he led his own band right up to his um, death, and uh, performed um, all over the world. But uh, this particular recording is a favorite of mine. This is kind of an all-star band, and we're going to hear uh, such people in the band as uh, trombonist Frank Rehack, a couple of French horns, 
uh, in the persons of Ray Alonge and Julius Watkins, Bill Barber on tuba, and then Wayne Shorter is the soloist on both of these pieces, along with uh, several other uh, reed players playing flutes and different reed instruments, and uh, Kenny Burrell on guitar. Gary Peacock is on bass, and the incredible, and I mean that, Elvin Jones on drums. The first piece of music is called Time of the Barracudas, and that's a Gil Evans composition. Then we're going to move to a very moody piece of music, I think my favorite track from this album. Uh, It's a Kurt Weill composition, and... um, it's Gill's arrangement of that, and Wayne Shorter's uh, work on this is just superb. And the composition is called The Barber Song. So this is from the album The Individualism of Gill Evans. Enjoy.
The music, the haunting music of Gil Evans, 
and uh, it became more and more haunting as we heard those three pieces of music. We began, um, this was the Gil Evans Orchestra, there's all kinds of incredible people in the orchestra, including drummer Elvin Jones and bassist Gary Peacock, and of course uh, the soloists on the first tune, Wayne Shorter on tenor saxophone, and Kenny Burrell on guitar, and of course, uh, you know, all the mixtures of horns and reeds and flutes and woodwinds and all that kind of stuff that make up Gil Evans' fascinating uh, arrangements. Uh, the first piece of music was called The Time of the Barracudas, and the second piece was a variation, a Gil Evans variation, on a beautiful melody by Kurt Weill called The Barbara Song, Kurt Weill and Ber- Bertolt Brecht. And um, that featured, of course, the haunting tenor saxophone work of Wayne Shorter. And the final tune, another mood piece, uh, was entitled Proclamation. So those three pieces by the great arranger, and in this case, composer, Gil Evans, from his album, The Individualism of Gil Evans. And of course, Gil, as I mentioned before, came to prominence uh, with those famous recordings by Miles Davis, Miles Ahead, Porgy and Bess, and Sketches of Spain, because the orchestrations and the orchestra uh, was conducted and uh, put together by Gil Evans. So he is just as much a part of those recordings as Miles Davis is. And, of course, uh, this launched Gil Evans' career um, on his own as, a, as a, an occasional band leader and uh, arranger. Full-time arranger, occasional band leader. The individualism of Gil Evans. We're going to move now to a band from Toronto. Oh, yes, everybody's favorite city. But there's some incredible musicians there, especially a lot of young musicians that are uh, just kind of coming out of the woodwork, names that uh, I have never been familiar with. But this is a young lady by the name of Rebecca Hennessy, and she leads this band. She plays the variety of brass instruments, trumpet, flugelhorn, peckhorn, and baritone horn, and Tom Edwards on trombone, Jay Burr on tuba, Tanya Gill on piano, Don Scott on guitar, Nico Dan on drums, and the triangle. And this is kind of like a brass band sound. Um, this is quite a lovely recording. It's uh, Rebecca Hennessy's Fog Brass Band, and the album is called Two Calls. We're going to hear two tracks from this uh, album, and it's uh, been issued on the um, uh, her own label, Rebecca Hennessy, and uh, it's actually a very wonderful album. You can find out more about this album if you go on to uh, www.rebeccahennessy, R-E-B-E-C-C-A-H-E-N-N-S-E, S-Y, all one word, dot com, RebeccaHennessy.com. Check it out. And we're going to hear some tunes from this album. Uh, Both of them are her compositions. The first one is called Red Herring, and the second one is called Kings County Sheriff. Here is the Rebecca Hennessy Fog Brass Band. (laughs) 
exciting new sound from uh, Toronto, a band led by trumpeter Rebecca Hennessy, and she plays all kinds of instruments, uh, related instruments, flugelhorn, peckhorn, baritone horn, etc., and wrote those two tunes, and uh, she is the leader of uh, that aggregation. The band is called Rebecca Hennessy's Fog Brass Band. And it includes Tom Richards on trombone, Jay Burr on tuba, Tanya Gill on piano, Don Scott on guitar, and Nico Dan on drums. And we heard two compositions from this album called Two Calls. And the, the tunes we heard, Red Herring was the first tune, and Kings County Sheriff was the second tune. This is an incredibly interesting album, and uh, we'll hear more from it uh, in the future. Uh, if you're interested in uh, purchasing this album, you can always go to um, RebeccaHennessy.com. And um, that's spelled exactly the way her name is. R-E-B-E-C-C-A-H-E-N-N-E-S-S-Y.com. Rebecca Hennessy. All right. Now, another Vancouver expatriate. He actually was born in Windermere and came to Vancouver to study drums at uh, Capilano College and, uh, of course, was uh, mentored by many people, including my one of my closest friends, drummer Blaine Witchard. And uh, Morgan Childs um, was a big part of the Vancouver scene for many, many years, a very fine, fiery, and wonderful drummer. And he decided... Um, with his partner at the time to uh, pack their bags and head for Toronto. And he hasn't looked back since. He's working with all the finest musicians in Toronto, including some of the international stars that uh, visit that city. But Morgan has put out a lovely album under his own name, and it's the Morgan Childs Quartet. And uh, some of it was recorded um, one of the last or close to the last engagements at Corey Weed's Jazz Cellar. Um, one track, the first track we're going to hear, was re- was recorded there. And uh, I, I was there um, the night that they were recording because I was, uh, I was emceeing the band, um, as I remember. And it was recorded January 23rd, 2013. And, uh, of course, the following month, the cellar closed, sad to say. The second tune was recorded on that same tour, but uh, a couple of days later in Edmonton at the uh, Yardbird Suite, which is one of their uh, Edmonton's leading jazz club. It's been there for years and years and years. So we're going to hear two tunes. On tenor saxophone is the wonderful Kelly Jefferson. He's got to be one of the finest tenor saxophonists in the country and a great guy, wonderful player and person as well. On piano, the always interesting and intriguing and multi-talented David Restivo at the piano, John Maharaj on acoustic bass, and of course Morgan Childs on drums. Not only is he playing drums on here, leading the band, but he wrote these two tunes that we're going to hear. The first one is dedicated to Sonny Rollins. Sonny Rollins' real name is Theodore, Theodore Walter Rollins. 
And so Morgan decided to call this tune Theodore. And it's, of course, a Calypso-flavored tune dedicated to Sonny Rollins. The second tune is an up-tempo thing called The Kickback. So I hope you enjoy the Morgan Childs Quartet from his album On the Street of Dreams. And again, if you're interested in purchasing this album, uh, you can go to www.morganchildsmusic.com. And that's uh, M-O-R-G-A-N-C-H-I-L-D-S music.com. It's all one word, Morgan Childs Music. All right, we're going to hear Theodore. Here we go.
Drummer Morgan Childs, of course, who lived here for so many years in Vancouver, originally from Invermere, British Columbia, and uh, Morgan is, has been a resident of Toronto for uh, many years now, and sort of cut his teeth in Vancouver, went to Cap College, and then uh, began performing around town, became one of the uh, uh, most exciting young drummers, and uh, now he is uh, one of the most exciting young drummers in Toronto, and um, this album is called On the Street of Dreams, and uh, that's the title track. It's an old standard tune, great tune. And this album uh, is by the Morgan Childs Quartet with Kelly Jefferson on tenor saxophone, Dave Restivo at the piano, John Maharaj on bass, and Morgan Childs on drums. And he wrote those two tunes. Uh, for the band. One was recorded at, uh, it was one of the final engagements at Corey Weed's Jazz Cellar back in January of 2013. And on the same tour, they uh, moved on to the Yardbird Suite in Edmonton and played the uh, second tune. So uh, the two tunes we heard, the first one was dedicated to Sonny Rollins, as I mentioned, Theodore, which is Sonny Rollins' proper name, Theodore. And uh, he never became a Teddy. He became a Sonny. <laughs> there you go. And uh, the second tune was another Morgan Childs composition called The Kickback and brought out the uh, virtuosity of uh, both Kelly Jefferson and pianist Dave Restivo. Uh, he got off a corker of a solo. Very, very fine album. And uh, if you are interested in getting a hold of this album, it's uh, easy Triple W Morgan Childs Music. That's it. All one word. Triple W Morgan Childs Music dot com. And uh, I'm sure the uh, site will lead you to where you can uh, purchase this album. It's a goodie. We'll be hearing more from it on future shows. We're going to turn the clock over to two of the greatest tenor saxophone players that ever put these instruments in their mouths, Sonny Stitt and Gene Ammons. And as always, it's Gene Ammons who solos first on these pieces, and um, that was a tradition in this band. We're going to hear two tunes. The first one is a Sonny Stitt, kind of a riff blues composition called Dumplin', and the second tune is a Gene Ammons composition, and it's, uh, it's kind of African in feel. And it's called Tubby. And the people involved here, uh, Gene Ammons and Sonny Stitt on tenor saxophones, 
Brother Jack Macduff on the Hammond organ and Charlie Persip on the drums. So here we go with Dumplin'. Thank you. 
From the album Soul Summit, Gene Ammons and Sonny Stitt. You recognize Gene Ammons because he solos first, um, always in this band, and Sonny Stitt follows. 
This was just a quartet, but they sounded uh, a lot more than just a quartet because Jack Macduff, Brother Jack Macduff, is incredible on the Hammond organ, laying down all that stuff. And, of course, Charlie Persip on drums. Sonny Stitt, Gene Ammons, Brother Jack Macduff, and Charlie Persip. From the album Soul Summit, we heard two tunes. First one was written by Sonny Stitt, nice little riff called Dumplin'. And the second one, the African feel uh, thing, um, was written by Gene Ammons and called Tubby. Tremendous album, recorded in 1962. We're going to take you back now to a um, classic session by Charles Mingus and his jazz workshop. We're going to hear two pieces of music. The first one is called The Passions of a Woman Loved. And... Um, the second piece of music is entitled Blue Sea. And Sea uh, was Mingus's affectionate name for his wife of the time, Celia. So uh, that's where that comes about. The people involved here, the great Jimmy Nepper on trombone and the equally great Shafi Hadi on alto saxophone, who then was known as Curtis Porter, but he... Uh, he adopted Islam and became Shafi Hadi. On piano, from Buffalo, New York, Wade Legg. And, of course, Charles Mingus on bass and Danny Richmond on drums. Passions of a Woman Loved and Blue Sea.
Charles Mingus having the last word on his own composition called Blue Sea, dedicated to his uh, wife of the time, Celia. And before that, we heard an extended uh, composition called Passions of a Woman Loved. And, of course, the unique and wonderful music of Charles Mingus. This was recorded in... uh, 1957, and uh, the band was uh, quite permanent at the time. It had been together for quite a while, and you could hear uh, that it wasn't just a pickup band. We heard uh, Shafi Hadi on alto saxophone, the great Jimmy Nepper on trombone, adding that distinctive quality to the Mingus Ensemble, Wade Legg on piano, Danny Richmond on drums, and of course, Charles Mingus on bass. Passions of a Woman Loved and Blue Sea. I'd like to thank you very much for being out there this evening, and I hope that uh, you enjoyed, uh, if not all of the show, some of the show this evening. And we're here every Monday night with some of the very best in jazz music. This has been the jazz show for the 1st of May. And, uh, of course, we hope that the month of May is a merry month of May. (laughs) We'll see. Um, This is only the first, well, it's now into the second day, so we'll see. (laughs) All right. Once again, thank you very much. On behalf of myself, Gavin Walker, and radio station CITR, broadcasting from the campus of the University of British Columbia, 101.9, or on your computer, www.citr.ca, and we'll see you in seven days' time. Take care. Bye for now. Do-ba-dee!
Thank you.